have uh, very hard uh, uh, drill bits to drill those uh, long uh, beads. And uh, this is just uh, to show you the kind of study going on in terms of metal and provenance of metal. This is various, uh, you see, signatures, identifications of, uh, you have the colors corresponding here, blue is here, etc. Green from Rajasthan is here. And this characterization of various copper ores is made on the basis of presence of uh, uh, isotopes of lead. Lead is a common impurity in copper, copper ore. And these, these and other isotopes, other impurities, will kind of give a signature for the particular ore. And then, of course, the whole work, and this has been done by Kenoya and his uh, student, uh, Randall Law, consists in identifying, building a database for all the various regions, and then trying to, uh, to, to match them with the existing samples. So this is a work in progress. Uh, quickly, this is, no, sorry. This is a, one of these very you know, unique finds that suddenly change a perspective. And these are some threads which were found embedded in a microbead of steatites. Harappans love to make those microbeads. In fact, we don't know how they made them. You can see the scale, one millimeter in length, one millimeter diameter. This is the size of the microbead. And there is a hole in the middle. And some of them came with these fibers. So they, they, they were thought to be cotton, but usually cotton does not survive in the Northwest climate. And there's very, very, very few fibers have been found. Electron microscope and did other tests, discovered that this was not cotton, but silk. And therefore, the Harappans were practicing silk harvesting of, of course, wild silk, they, they did not probably, uh, you know, uh, did uh, sericulture in the, in the way we understand it today, but they were harvesting silk and using it at least for threading, possibly more. So, you know, this changes the whole perspective of the, the silk history because we were told previously that it was China that invented uh, silk production uh, much later. Uh, findings and like the presence of drilled teeth. As you know, as you saw, Harappans were drilling beads, but then they were using similar drill bits to drill teeth and possibly to, re to relieve toothache. So this has been studied in uh, England by some expert uh, dentists, uh, scientists of dentistry, and they found that there were very regular holes being drilled uh, in um, quite a few teeth, and uh, which were done and they experimented. In fact, here you see a poor fellow on the left, where uh, uh, there is an attempt to recreate, you know, the technique that Harappans might have used. So, and, and, the, and please note that the first evidence dates back to Mehergar before the Indus uh, stage, about 6000 BC. 6000 BC in the Neolithic, people were practicing tooth drilling. With what results is very hard to say, but uh, this is what they did. Now, uh, there are lots of other techniques. I think I'm going to uh, skip this. is about uh, uh, analyzing the isotopes in the enamel of teeth uh, because the, uh, the, the whatever isotopes we're going to accumulate in our enamel actually come from the food we eat 
and therefore there will be a signature of the particular region where this food was available. So this research has been done by Dr. Prabhakar again uh, in, in Sanoli, that uh, huge necropolis, and he's been able to trace the isotopes, you know, uh, region-wise, and uh, he find that in this limited study, this has to be amplified, but this is the kind of scientific development that can ultimately give us precious information on the, the life of the society. He finds that actually people here were basically locals, except for a, a, a few odd samples. Uh, they, they corresponded, the enamel, the composition of their tooth enamel corresponded to the, the, the food and soil nature that was available there. So these are studies in progress. And lastly, I'll take just two minutes to uh, show you the interface of the Harappans uh, with all these civilizations, all of these in here. Uh, Magan, which is Oman, Dilmun, which is Kuwait, uh, Elam is part of Iran, Mesopotamia, of course, is Iraq, and some of Central Asia also. Harappan presence is found in all of these. Harappan weights, Harappan pottery sometimes, the beads, they are found there. Strangely, very, very, very little of their, these of, of, of artifacts of these civilizations are found back in the Indus. And uh, let me simply show you that uh, we have evidence from Mesopotamian tablets that there was a trade going on with Meluha. Meluha is the name that probably was applied to the Indus civilization. This is the consensus among most scholars in Mesopotamian tablets. And here we have a tablet where, see this is a script, the script is here. And this caption tells us that there is an interpreter from Meluha meeting the king. So this is probably the interpreter here. So uh, they, 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 were, they were people who were able to speak both languages and uh, who were intermediaries, of course, in the trade. And uh, this is how uh, uh, the reconstitution of the uh, naval uh, you know, network which uh, the Harappans used, first of all, following from Gujarat, following uh, the shore, the, shore the, the, the coast, and then coming back across the Arabian Sea. Uh, these are sites which are being explored now in Oman where a lot of Harappan artifacts have been found. And finally, finally, let me end with, why is this moving? With one attempt, you see archaeologists always try to replicate, recreate ancient techniques. Whether it is bead making, bead drilling, uh, whatever, weaving pots, a lot of Harappan's pots have been made today uh, by archaeologists following the Harappan techniques. That is fairly straightforward. But then, to show the navigational skills of the Harappans, uh, how to rebuild a Harappan boat or ship. And they, they you know, compiled information from many, many documents, especially on the Mesopotamian side. And they found that they, they, they would have assembled bundles of reed, you know, and uh, uh, tied with cane. And then, of course, you need to waterproof this. So there was caulking done with bitumen. Bitumen is a naturally occurring form of tar. And uh, Harappans, in fact, used it also for waterproofing, like the, the great bath of Mohenjo-Daro was waterproof with bitumen. So in 2005, uh, archaeologists like Maurizio Tozzi of Italy, uh, Gregory Possel of uh, uh, the US, tried to recreate 
And they said, we will make a Harappan boat and we will sail from Oman all the way to Lothal. You see, we, we all, to Gujarat at least, because Lothal today is no longer accessible uh, through the sea. So this is what it looked like. And um, this is the boat starting on its journey from, from Oman, but then uh, something was wrong. And the first, very first day it sank. Of course, there was a, a proper boat a ship accompanying them. Um, and uh, those archaeologists were there. Uh, something in the waterproofing uh, and the fact that their structure was somehow too flexible. All these reeds made a too flexible boat and it ended up taking water. So uh, they want to come back to it sometime. Uh, we will see. But uh, this is the kind of, uh, you know, researchers that archaeologists uh, uh, love to explore. And... Uh